June Osborne was apprehended today by one of my teams in no man's land. Are you sure it's her? Yes, it's fully verified. She's traveling with her husband. You don't own me, I'm not your property. So take a shifty little bitty eye over me. June, when we get to Gilead, they're gonna execute us, all right? Last time when we were apart, no matter what happened, I never gave up hope. Welcome to Eyes on Gilead, a weekly podcast dedicated to The Handmaid's Tale. There is a lot going on in this show, and we think it helps to talk it out after every episode, especially this one. I'm Fiona Williams, and when I'm not doing this, I'm Head of Curation at SBS On Demand, and I'm joined once again by my colleagues, friends, and fellow resistors. Natalie Hambly, Managing Editor of SBS Voices. Hello. Heidi Island, Channel Manager of SBS On Demand. Hi. And Sana Kadar, host of ABC Radio National's All In The Mind. Hi. Hello. Well, <laughs> we've got a biggie to debrief today. We have just watched episode six of season five of The Handmaid's Tale. It is called Together, and it was written by Catherine Collins and was directed by Eva Beavers. June teaches Luke the basics of survival. Honestly, sometimes the box is a lot smaller than this, so... That's crazy! That's, that is insane! Serena tests the hospitality of the wheelers. I'm going for a walk. Absolutely not. You need to rest. Your baby needs to rest. And Aunt Lydia makes a surprising discovery. She's pregnant? Three weeks along. I mean, surprising is one word for... For that discovery. All right. There's so much to unpack in this episode. So let's just get into it and say what stood out for each of us in this episode. Who wants to start? Uh, Sana? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> let's start with you. Okay, I'm struggling to decide which one. I have two. There are two specific lines that were said. First one is Alanis telling Serena, go, go to your room. room. <laughs> and when she said that, that was amazing in a sense because I love the moments where the mask drops, where we're no longer hiding behind these forced smiles and like euphemisms and you know platitudes we're just saying we're cutting to the shit and saying what we mean and so when she said that I was like oh yeah here we go it's on now so that was like a terrifying but kind of satisfying moment and I think that's partly why we love a character like Lawrence because he doesn't sort of play around those games he just says what he means and cuts to the shit so love that the other one is Lydia saying home now for warm milk which is just like the (laughs) grossest thing and it came after a series of like (laughs) massively shocking moments right and like total what the fuck moments and so then to end with that was just like I I think I yelled out loud I was like oh my god what (laughs) yeah so those two were some crazy times (laughs) very good and uh I think we've got our little uh, quote for the uh, end of this episode with that one uh (laughs) great ones all right who's next we can add it to the list of unsettling references and metaphors about milk in this show yeah exactly (laughs) very long list (laughs) yeah Haiti, you're up. What stood out for you? I'm similar, Sana, in that there were so many great moments and I don't (laughs) want to, like, get ahead of myself discussing stuff at the end of the episode. So I'm going to go with just uh, one of Serena's lines where she's discussing her invite for a date from Dr. Landers with Alanis and she says... uh, I mean, he's nice and everything, but I'm not going to date my gynecologist. (laughs) (laughs) It was such a a good little moment of her similarly just saying it like it is, back to Alanis. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, truth bombs. Nah. 
what stood out for you? Um, gosh, I think I'm now going to bring the mood down a bit with the one that stands out for me um, because that scene from Esther, we've been seeing it in the trailer. I've seen it too many times yeah. and I always thought it was going to be a horrible torture scene. I'd kind of been dreading seeing that and mm. it, it appeared in this episode. I, I actually really like it. Like I actually felt a feeling of release with it, you know, like when she, yeah. when we see her screaming, like I realize now it's not torture. It's kind of mental torture, but she's more like screaming out of frustration and she has let it all out. And just as you just said, Sana, people just saying what they really think, right? She actually has just said like no holds barred, what has actually happened to her? And then she's just screaming about it. And I just, I felt that, you know, I was like, yes, like mm -hmm. she doesn't have a huge moment in this episode. Like she just appears in that like sort of like that sort of one moment. And it was amazing for me. Like that's the thing that I just keep thinking back on. Yeah, no, well, well said. Um, and look, there's just so much in this, and I, I guess mine will just lead on to where, where this episode opens really, but it's to the points that you've been making the last couple of weeks, Natalie, just about June, knowing, you know, she's lived this so many times and with Luke and his inexperience in this mm -hmm. same world, uh, you know, it all came to a head this week, didn't it? And I was thinking of you the whole time I was watching this, <laughs> Luke being the newbie in, in being captured and trying all the things we've seen everyone try that we know don't work, but you would try, <laughs> like you'd always try something. So, you know, points for trying, but you know, when, when you're there with June Osborne, who, who's done this all before and survived, yeah, it, it would piss you off. <laughs> I just yeah. like the fact her, her looks at the start, literally as this is opening and he's in the, he's in there trying to smash his handcuffs and whatnot. And, um, her looks are just, you know, keep it together. I had like in all caps in my notes that like June finally gets to use her expertise, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. kind of what horrifying expertise it is because it's like, you can, smash open one set of handcuffs, but you can't smash open two. And I just thought, ooh, why? Why is that? I don't think I want to know. But equally they are just as confused as we were last week. Uh, they don't know who their captors are and they're trying to work it out. So, uh, you know, Luke's saying, is it Gilead? Is it, who, where are they? But it's the smell that's the, the tip off to June that the use of disinfectants is not something that our mates in Gilead would use. So the revelation in this one is... Ryan Wheeler, he's got some black ops yeah. mm. empire. He's running people across all the borders in um, in no man's land. So who guessed that? that? Yeah, that's his role. He's got marauding groups of gangs <laughs> at the border in no man's land, picking up strays and runaways and all the rest. That's why he's he's got so much power and lines straight back to Lawrence and the rest. That's right. And that's why last week he was saying, He's getting busier, like in that, you know, he's, he's yeah. so busy, especially now because things are really ramping up. So, yeah, we'll call back to last week there. But, you know, June is asking who is this some kind of transit hub that, that they're um, pushed through. So this could have been a moment for me actually when, when she's asked her name and he says, no, not that one, who, who are you of, the, the guy that mm. um, the captors heard. That was a moment. She says, nobody, fuck you. I was wondering if he knew the name June Osborne but thought she was just throwing that out there to, like, throw him off the scent. Like, kind of coming into a situation like that and saying, oh, yeah, I'm I'm Superman, and they're, you know, getting the response, yeah, no shit, like, who are you really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good point. Can I just say, I feel like we all sound very level-headed and calm right now, and perhaps I do as well, but when this episode ended, I was losing my freaking mind. Like, I took... <laughs> All my effort not to text you guys immediately in all caps and be like, oh, my God, when are we chatting? Can we chat now? 
you know, we're sounding very calm and collected, but I was so not by the end of this episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just, good just point. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, Nate's saying. I think I was clapping at the screen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, thanks for not taking to the WhatsApp. We've, I think we've learned our lesson from that. <laughs> yeah, we've done that previously. It's ruined surprises, so I did not. I held yeah, back. yeah, yeah, talk around things. We'll, we'll follow the, the course of the episode. There's just so much to unpack here, so we just want to make sure we cover all the big moments. Um, Serena and her home birthing suite that was installed when the wheelers knew that she would be staying there. What? I had no idea that this was up here. It's much nicer than what we have in my office in the city, I can tell you. Mm -hmm. That is so (laughs) freaky. (laughs) She may want her to never leave ever. It's been so much fun watching this little, uh, like, parallel handmaid's existence play out for Serena and all her expressions and this amazing birthing suite hidden up in the attic next to her little attic handmaid-esque room. Mm -hmm. I was loving all these little reveals. It was delicious and horrifying. Yeah, the deadbolt on the the birthing suite. Was there Um, a deadbolt? Yeah. I miss that. Yeah. Oh, my God, that's horrifying. Yeah. I mean, I shouldn't be surprised, but geez. Yeah, and, oh, that doctor, the smiling <sighs> smiling Alan Landers. Uh, I, I do love the euphemisms that they use in this show, just with the, you know, the, the Willis thought it would be safer here. Um, you know, we're being overcautious, but you understand how valuable you are, um, yeah. what the contents of the uterus is. And, um, yeah, oh, no, the line for me was just, if you don't mind, I'll just take a quick peek. Oh, it was horrible. It was so horrible. <laughs> the line for me was when he was, like, starting to talk about perineal massage oh, and, like, getting yes. the tissue. Oh, nope. my God, I was just like, stop talking. Nope. <laughs> You're so gross. That is actually one of the things I think that I had buried from pregnancy that yes. like I was happy to never remember ever again. And as <laughs> soon as he said perineal massage. massage, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, it's so, so gross. Hmm. Well, I was expe- I actually was expecting him to offer to show her how, and I have to say I'm just relieved yeah. it didn't go there because I was getting all of those creepy feelings from him thinking, where is he going to yeah. take this? And then he took it to a place I was not expecting, you know. <laughs> yes, same. yes, true. I did not expect a date offer to come out of this <laughs> scene at Awkward. all. And he'd barely even finished the examination. Like she had, hadn't even gotten up and he's like, hey, do you want to come over and my Martha will cook us some salmon? Yeah. <laughs> it was just so badly timed. He's yeah. got a Martha. Yeah. Also, well, why yes, does he have yeah. a Martha? Because we find out later that he's working at the University of Toronto. Yep. So that that confused me, that line. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think it's showing the, the march of Gilead into into <laughs> Canada. Yeah. Well, because the Wheelers haven't referred to their housemaids as Martha's, I don't think, right? I found that surprising that he said that. I don't think they really acknowledge them. Mm. Yeah. Mm. But she certainly doesn't dress as a Martha. Like she's she's got sort of a maid. Yeah, outfit. that's yeah. right, right. Yeah. I wonder what kind of like birthing arrangements Serena had actually thought of because it's like it's coming up, you know, so she must have had some sort of fantasy in mind, which clearly was not a like medical suite in attic type of scenario. Well, she put on her dress. She thought she was going to his office. She was wearing the wifely dress again. Yeah. Um, yeah, getting ready mm. to set off. <laughs> but like in Gilead, when they give birth, they have the whole ceremony about it, don't they? Like yep. they have all women come over and they have a whole breathing and a chanting thing mm-hmm. that was going to happen. That's and right. so this scenario that she's being faced with is very different. Yes. And she's very advanced to not really have the plan or for us to not have seen what the plan would be. No? Yes, mm. right? Mm. Probably a whole bunch of the girls who were there last week might have. She probably assumed that they'd somehow factor in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they'd be more than willing. One tell from that scene, though, is 
the point that's reinforced later by the wheelers, of course it is, that she needs to rest and, you know, she's getting close and like any excitement could bring on the baby and boy, the things get a bit exciting for her later on. So (laughs) just a little note. (laughs) Yeah, he says the more time you can stay at home, the better. And there's your little, you know, hint that she's not staying at home. (laughs) Yes, exactly. But also she ain't resting. Baby's going to want to come out because at the end then she's sort of clutching the tummy too, isn't she? Yeah, yeah. Looks like she's going into labour pains a little bit or something yeah, that's going on. Yeah, she does look quite uncomfortable at the end. Oh, I mm. miss that. As she sets off on her little uh, Thelma oh. Louise. <laughs> no, totally. She was clutching her belly and, like, you know, a little bit grunting or something. Yeah, it definitely looked like the stress of the situation was, like, sending her into labour. All that excitement. I wasn't sure if it was just her being stressed about what she knew was about to come or if it was, yeah, something more Something like uh, labor. This is a TV show. Surely they have to put like these big moments, you know, <laughs> together. I think it's going to happen. Oh my God. Is June going to be the midwife to her? Yes. To her yes. Baby? Oh my God. Exactly. That's, that's what I'm envisaging. She's going to give birth in the presence of June now. It's going to be so weird. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, well, anyway, <laughs> we are way ahead of ourselves. Well, terrible segue, but this is Handmaid's Tale. The next scene is Esther. We're in the hospital with Lydia and Esther is bed bound and was going to have a uterus harvested. Oh, my goodness. I know. That line. What was that about? Another awful line in the show. Like, what? Esther's uterus harvesting. Can you think of a worse three words? Not an egg. It seemed like the whole kitten caboodle. Yeah. Because Lydia still seemed annoyed, right? And I thought, is this a punishment? Like, is this, like, Mm. what is uterus harvesting? Why on earth would they have to do that? I, I thought that was saying that we, that she had pretty much assumed um, Esther was dead or on her way to dying. So that's why they were going to go ahead with the um, oh, like, oh uterus gosh. harvesting. That's what I thought as well, that she was comatose. She wasn't waking up, so they were not going to mm-hmm. waste her uterus and they're mm-hmm. going to make sure it got put into someone else. Mm. She seems pretty alive. Well, that's <laughs> it. Yeah, it's kind of like, I mean, she would have had some vital signs if she's that cognizant. But anyway, ugh, that didn't happen because... And again, another terrible turn of phrase. She's filled with his divine light, but she's still going to be bed bound. She's going to be, what they say, in a high risk obstetrics hospital pretty much until she reaches term. Yeah. So upshot is obviously with the chocolates, Putnam, yeah, raped her at the ceremony at his house, the pre-funeral. So that's only three weeks ago. So we've talked about the timelines, but yes, so that was, that was three weeks. Also, side note, Lydia doesn't know how to calculate a pregnancy properly. Because a pregnancy is calculated from your last period, not the date mm. of conception. And yeah. there's a couple of weeks between those things. Just a little side note there. I felt I had to call that out. Yes. Continue. Okay. <laughs> Noted. Yes, it's true. Mm. It's, it's one of those things when we were talking about that awful scene where he was forcing her to eat the chocolates. Yeah. Mm. I don't think it occurred to any of us who was actually going to rape her in that scene. No. You know? Like, I oh thought that God. was the grossest it was going to get and he was just playing with her in that horrible way. But yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't. Think well, so. the actions. Yeah. I mean, it all, it all checks out now, doesn't it? But um, yeah, mm, it just yeah. felt like she thought, you know, was maybe triggered for all the previous rapes she'd have to had to endure. But uh, yeah. And how infuriating was Lydia's first question about it? Yeah. yeah. Did you behave in a way that might have even unwittingly 
invited his attention. That would have invited his attention. Oh, that made me, the first time I watched the show, that line made me so angry. And I was like, Mm -hmm. Lydia, for God's sake, just like, let it go now, right? It's not the women's fault. But the second Mm -hmm. time I watched it over, I wondered actually in her delivery if, if she was asking that, not because she genuinely felt she needed to ask that and it could have been her fault, but more she was just keeping with the Gilead way of speaking for whatever reason, I, like in a sense, almost as if she was being listened to, but I don't think she was. Like, I just, I question my first assumption on how she delivered that line when I mm. rewatched it. I think it's a little from column A, a little from column B, but also like for Lydia, that's a big deal. Like, because, you know, miss, yeah. it's your fault. Everything's your fault. Like it's, it's shame spiral, drumming it into people. That's her, that's her modus operandi really. But yeah, I thought it was classic Lydia to ask the question, but she actually mm-hmm. was unpacking the idea that maybe it wouldn't be someone's fault too. I think it's just showing a, this promise to Janine that she'll act with compassion. Um, yeah, mm. she's keeping herself to that promise um, that she made to Janine and to her God, of course. Yeah, and I think, yeah, to back that up, I agree. Like I think we're seeing we're seeing kind of a rebirth of Lydia and it's clearly mm. not easy, you know, like the... Yeah. The old Lydia just keeps like coming up and she and she's not she's still trying to push through. So she's she's getting there, but these like old parts still come up. Cause like even because even if Esther had, even if for whatever reason she had her own reasons for wanting Warren to make a move on her, he's still the one with all the power. He's mm-hmm. still the one that should be saying no and sticking to the rules and upholding the law of Gilead as a Gilead commander. So it wouldn't, it shouldn't actually matter to Lydia what yeah. Esther's behavior was. Mm. So yes, yeah. it was so infuriating. I was so annoyed by it, yeah. but I do like that. We're seeing Lydia wrestle with this stuff in real time. Yeah. There's this great line that Lawrence delivers to her. Watch your tone. Watch it, Lydia. Forgetting yourself. When she steps out of place, which is funny because this whole episode, she's really finding herself. She's finding this new step and this new way to interact with and lead the handmaids. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great because she does immediately head for Joe. That's the next uh, scene she from the hospital to there. Mm. Um, Yeah, I love that line too about forgetting yourself because it's, Mm -hmm. yeah. (laughs) And he whispers thank you as well. Like he's saying what he has to say, but then under his breath, it's like, thanks for that. You've given me a lot to think about. You're welcome, Commander. Yeah, all of this... um, all these truth bombs being lobbed here and a bit of doublespeak at the same time too. But like, the, yeah, when Lawrence asks her why she's offended, you know, it was a day before her posting, that's like another moment where where you're seeing the mask drop for Lydia because you're like, you, you yeah. know, you've been calling these rapes non-rapes in a ceremony and all this other crap all this time, but like it's time to call a spade a spade. This is what it's been all along and the artifice is crumbling now. Yeah, yes. and Esther, you know, very effectively calls her on that and says, you're not sorry at all. Like, yeah, just, exactly, yes. You've just had to confront the fact that no one's playing um, playing these games anymore. Yeah. And, yeah, that's quite uh, quite uncomfortable for, for Lydia. So, yeah, I kind of, is the old Lydia still there? Does she still see the sacredness in the monthly ceremony, you know, or is she now seeing it as, as how all the handmaids see it? I'm not sure that she's there yet. I think she still sees the sacredness, but she's realising that, all these dudes do not, and they're not respecting it. They yeah, so yeah, so I think she still believes in it, but she's just annoyed that they're not doing it the right way. They're not doing it in the proper godly <laughs> yeah. fashion. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is not how we agreed it goes. Yeah, it's kind of like it, like for the whole the whole system crumbles if no one else, you know, if you don't all uphold it. Like everyone's got to hold up their end of the bargain here. Yeah, I feel like she's not rejecting Gilead and its methods wholesale at the moment. Anyways, she's like, 
you know, if, if things had continued without people starting to to say the truth of what's going on and she could continue to pretend this was sacred and all the rest, she would have happily carried on. She wouldn't have these, you know, this change of heart. Mm. Yeah, the cracks are sort of starting to emerge, aren't they? But I think she can also see how her position as upholding these sacred ceremonies and squashing out the grey areas and making it black and white gives her some power because at the end of the episode there's that speech she gives to the handmaids in front of Putnam's body, basically saying that this is justice and she's, you know, mm. ready to start delivering justice for the handmaids. Mm. I feel like that was just a one message to Janine, though. <laughs> <laughs> and she got just, it. <laughs> yeah, this one's for you, Janine. <laughs> Makes up for the eye, right? Yeah. From that scene with Lydia and Lawrence, did mm. anyone cotton on that he was sort of, like, taking that on and was going to do something about it? I thought that was him very much just brushing aside what Lydia was telling him and being like, move on, lady, you know, this shit happens all the time. Like, I did not expect for, you know, a couple of scenes later for a Warren to be ending up dead at all. Uh, well, I saw he, the wheels turning about how can I make this work okay. for me? Like, you know, classic sure. Lawrence and classic Serena <laughs> and classic June. Everyone, yeah, everyone's <laughs> trying to work out how do I make the most of this situation. I did not pick it <laughs> I did not see that coming either because when he said, oh, you've given me a lot to think about, I thought, what? What is, you know, what is he actually going to do with this? Because he did seem like he was just brushing it off. Yeah. And considering that he is someone who lately has just been calling it for what it is, it makes me, like I was kind of expecting him um, to be a bit more explicit. Somebody has said, you know, what kind of what's a big deal. That is kind of what I thought he was thinking. So I yeah. was quite surprised, you know. Yeah. Actually, I'm surprised about a lot of elements to do with that whole thing that's coming up. Yeah. So, yeah, I wasn't sure whose side he was on with that. But I have to say, I like Lawrence's. He, I like he's he always it. on Lawrence's side. Yeah, he was kind of resistant to teaming up with Lydia. He wanted to put her in her place, but he yeah. wanted to use that information as well. But he didn't want her to know that yeah. he was going to use that information to his advantage. Yeah. So she didn't have anything on him. Yeah. Speaking of being seen and heard, Luke is side by side with June in the cages. That's the next scene. He's got his nervous energy uh, and she is kind of grateful that the box is bigger this time. It's, you know, she's looking, <laughs> seeing the bright lining. side of things. Yeah, I'm yeah. actually horrified that the cage is so big. Why is it so big? How many people are they putting in there? Like that, <laughs> that freaked me out. Yeah, yeah. It's a bit of a nod to um, that finale when we saw the very early roundups oh. of um, Janine and June and um, also the Women in the Cages episode yes. from Lawrence and um, June right. from way back. Yeah, yeah, they're used to holding a whole lot more people. Mm. So Will has got those cages. because <laughs> I guess um, Gilead's not needing them anymore, so he's got the surplus Gilead stock. I'm actually annoyed now that I didn't say this as my standout moment because I did really love the banter that the two of them had where they were trying to make light of the situation and where they talked about, I wonder if this place is on Airbnb. You know, yeah. I, I actually <laughs> Talking did. about a butt. Yes, you know, it was really nice. Like that actually was actually quite nice. A nice sign of what their relationship is when it's working really well. So, yes, it's just such a shame that um, after he has basically um, acknowledged to her properly now that he can really see what she has gone through, because for him I think it's largely been abstract perhaps, you know, Mm -hmm. um, that he can actually see what it feels like in the moment to get captured and to be taken away in the back of a car and then to be put in a cage and then to try and have to talk your way out and argue your way out and figure out your next steps. And so he's now properly experiencing this, which he really hasn't before because when he escaped Gilead, right, he managed just to kind of sneak out. 
Like he managed mm. to sneak out and run across the border. Mm. So he's now finally sort of getting a taste of what June has gone through and and he's horrified, as you would be, right? You know, like he's so sorry that she's had to go through that. And just when you think that he is like finally realising that she is the expert and he should be listening to her, he doesn't listen to her and then he gets beaten <laughs> up and it's horrible. Mm-hmm. You know, she doesn't need to deal with him dealing with it as well. <laughs> but also, you know, obviously it's setting us up for the way that she's so cool and calm at the end, you know, staring down the barrel of a gun. Yeah, it's funny that as much as they're connecting in this scene, Luke just still remains hung up on the fact that he's feeling guilty about not being there, not being able to help her. And yeah, he still can't seem to get past that. So is she in a, in a sense, because I, I think it's in this scene where she says, it's my fault. I knew what it was like. I shouldn't mm. have let you go. And I was like, June, that's you taking the blame for everything again. You don't need to do that anymore. We're beyond yeah. that. It's not your fault. It's a training. <laughs> so, well, that's, you know, Lydia. Yeah. Again, that's what Lydia has to shed. She's got to start forgetting herself a bit more, I think. Oh, really? Because I was like, oh, because I remember being annoyed when Luke had decided that he wanted to go into Gilead and she looked proud of him. Remember that? Yes. And I was yeah. thinking, no, that's the wrong face, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You should, you should not be encouraging him to go in there. He is he is not cut out for this. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, yes, say sorry. You should have stopped him. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I felt annoyed then and I felt annoyed now. June can't yeah. win for me. Oh, poor girl. <laughs> yeah. But also... It's all Serena's fault. She's the one that got in Luke's head for it. He only did it because she yes. made him. But yeah, anyway. Also, it's all the commander's fault and all of Gilead. Everyone yeah, let's not yeah. put it all in Serena. <laughs> not, I mean for Luke, but specifically wanting it to go in at that precise moment. Yeah. And for the last shit she's done, but she's not the only one. Yes. Um, all right. Speaking of, then we are in the greenhouse with Alanis and Serena and the rose. Remember the rose? The roses <laughs> yeah. with June and Serena from many moons ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now Alanis is pulling those tricks. The more you cut back some flowers, the more they bloom. Is Serena the rose in question if you're cutting <laughs> back her world? <laughs> but, yes, that's when, yeah, that coded conversation, well, it's not coded at all, is it, that she's saying outright, go to your room. And I did love the confrontational moment. Alanis is considerably smaller than Serena and it's like Serena looking in yeah. a mirror but, yeah, looking down as well. But, um there are a lot of doorways in this episode as well, like, you know, with Lydia going through a doorway and Serena crying in the doorway. You know, they love to use some doorway composition scenes in this show. They went to town on it in this one as well. I think for so many so many big key moments of um, transition that going on in this episode, yeah. that, that was a big one for, um, for Serena. Both our girls this week, Serena and June, they're both trapped until they're not <laughs> um, because it goes from Serena being not even allowed to go for a walk to then June and Luke in the cage there as well. Alanis takes quite a turn. Like <laughs> we, I always a bit surprised by it because she's come across so sweet really and try and so impressed by Serena. She seems someone that was kind of in awe of her. And at least we found out that she doesn't want Serena's baby. I thought the whole time that she would be taking oh? Serena's baby. Are we meant that? to? So, yeah, I'm curious to get your thoughts on it because if Serena is effectively being married off to her gynecologist Mm. and the reason is is so she can't be a single mother her baby needs to have a father so in Mm. Alanis's mind Serena would be marrying creepy doctor guy and raising her baby in that family so I thought oh okay so this whole Mm. thing Mm. you aren't actually trying to get your hands on her baby then I wouldn't rule it out (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> she, there's a deadlock on that birthday. She is point, trying yeah. to control her future one way or the other, I mm. suppose. Yeah. She, I guess the backup plan. Yeah. But yeah. also, he's an obstetrician. He can take all the babies that maybe he wants if he's at the University of Toronto. So, yeah. So, just when I was thinking, oh, okay, so she doesn't want Serena's baby. Like a moment later, she is cracking down on Serena and like go to your room and treating her like a handmaid, which was like, what were the instructions that she was given? You know, was she told like, don't ever let her leave this house? I almost wonder if she was more by this point, she's more um, firmly believing in Gilead's mission than Serena is. Right. Because Serena does say like, we're not in Gilead anymore, are we? Mm -hmm. Which is, you know kind of interesting to hear her say, you know, trying to trying to poke that, you know, I have some freedoms here. She's more of a zealot now than Serena was at yeah. this point in time. Yeah, absolutely. And to me, she's behaving like a strict mother and she's treating Serena like a wayward teenage child and trying to put her back in her place. So like whole scene moves from almost this like chatty peer-to-peer conversation like, oh, I've been asked out on a date. Oh, how cool. (laughs) To like Mm -hmm. this, go to your room, you're grounded conversation, which, yeah, yeah, is very much a a kind of uh, condescending mother role. 100%. So from Serena's point of view, on the one hand, she doesn't really want to be in Gilead anymore and says, "Well, well, we're not in Gilead. But on the other hand, she wants to be setting up this centre to spread the word of Gilead. So she yeah. really wants, you know, to have her, her cake. cake and eat it too. <laughs> and is she is she really regretting the choice that she made, you know, when like Tuello offered her freedom effectively? And is she, you know, is she having second thoughts now? Is she thinking, oh, I should, I should have gone down that path instead? Well, I think so. Well, only because the tables have turned. The role she's, yeah, this, this is not the role she thought she'd be playing in Gilead. So, yeah, I think if she was wifely and it wasn't with a creepy obstetrician, then, yeah, she wouldn't have as many, <laughs> many yeah. issues with it. Mm. I guess I'm trying to get in her head because she has a massive turnaround, you know, what Serena does by the end of the episode. I'm like, how did she get from this scene with Alanis to the final scene that we see her in? And is it, and I'm just trying to think, she always thinks about herself. Yeah, I, I see it totally because she's realising her circumstances are not as she wished they would be in Canada. Yeah, I agree. She would have continued to be the spearhead of Gilead in Canada if, if that plan had eventuated, but it's not. And she's in very much, she's in dire circumstances now. So mm. as soon as Wheeler told her that June had been captured and she asked to go, I was like, oh, this is her making her break for freedom. Mm. This is, this. Mm. She's, it's clicked. She's, this is how she can get out and she needs to, she needs to run free and this is how she's going to do it. Um, so I see, she just saw her circumstances were what they were. And so she could no longer stay in the role that she hoped she would be in. Yeah, when she collapses on the bed and starts bawling after that interaction with Alanis, I think that's the moment that it hits home where she's like, I've tried everything I can to manoeuvre myself out of this situation and none of it has worked and I am a prisoner. Like that's the moment where it hits home and that's then the next scene is with Wheeler. Mm. And she thinks he's summoned her because of the argument with the um, with mm. Alanis. And I do like he just laughs it off like, no, why would I care about that? <laughs> Women's that business. That's, that's yeah, exactly. shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think in my fantasy land... I would like to think that <laughs> Serena is waking up to how she treated June or mm. has or could or could have a bit more understanding, mm. if not empathy, on what June went through and why yeah. June behaved the way that she did in her house. Yeah. And that the ending is not just Serena making a bid for freedom, but she actually wants to save June. Yeah. That is what 
it's how I would like to read it. I don't know if I can read it that way, but that is how I would like to because she is very self-oriented. Yeah, I don't think it's fully pure, but I think there's elements of that because when she started crying when Wheeler told her that June had been ca- um, captured and she was going to basically be killed now, I read her tears as like actually crying for June. She doesn't want June dead necessarily. Like, yes, this is a woman mm. she hates in many ways, but she didn't want her dead. And so, yes, she was seeing that moment as a break for freedom, but also I, I read into that sadness for June in a sense or worry for June. I don't know. Did anyone else feel that? I didn't quite make that full leap to that. I think it was, yes, well, a, a bit of a shock, <laughs> but also knowing that her options pretty much lead to either prisoner here or prisoner with creepy obstetrician guy and in all the developments and what he divulges about June, that door is closing and I think was better the devil you know. Like it's kind Mm. of like that, like, yes, that's my out, got to take that one. But then, yes, then June's June's speech slash prayer obviously um, set her off, stopped her being able to pull that trigger. But, um, yeah, I, I don't think in the moment with Wheeler, she necessarily went to straight empathy for June. Probably a little bit, a moment. A little bit, not, yeah. Yeah, not, I don't think that's not what fully. the tears were. Because mm. okay, there, right. there was a line that Serena says, I know we're jumping kind of to the ending now. That's okay. Mm. Where she repeats back to June about how you told me that you wanted, like, my baby to die in my belly. Like, yeah. And I thought it was interesting that she said that line again because I bet Serena went to a really dark place with Alanis and and the level of frustration and anger that she probably has towards her that she would have probably felt things like that. And let's face it, Alanis hasn't put Serena through anywhere near what Serena put June through. Mm. Um, so I thought, oh, maybe mm. she finally understands where that vitriol came from and she's mm-hmm. kind of forgiving mm. June for that in that moment. Yeah, yeah, she can tap that. Right. Because her, yeah, her saying that was, it almost was a bit, it's a pathetic thing to say, like compared to what she's done to June, that June said, I hope your baby dies in your belly. Like it just doesn't compare when, yeah. <laughs> when we're talking about the horrible things that have been done by each other to each other. Yeah. And she didn't mention Fred in that moment. It wasn't, no. you know, you yeah, my husband to death. Fred. Yeah. <laughs> yes. She didn't no. care about She brought it up later, but that wasn't what she opened with. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> also. what she said to Wheeler. We talked a couple of episodes about whether June had it in her to kill Serena, and I said, I think she does. And I'm the opposite here with Serena. I never thought she had it in her to kill June. I didn't think she was ever yeah. at any point going to shoot June. She was. Yeah. It was always going to be um, Ezra that was going to go down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I don't think at any point she has it in her to kill June. I don't think that's there. Like, yes, this woman has, you know, meted out horrible punishments on June previously, but I don't see that she has it in her to kill June because they are you know, they are linked in some weird, bizarre way. Like if, if they've been described as like the lovers of this, you know, series yeah. in a sense, there's there's <laughs> definitely that there. Opposite sides of the same coin. Is that yeah relevant? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And while we're talking about the conversation with Wheeler, it's surprising to, well, I guess it, it reinforced her ability to convince, convince men really, because mm. like Alanis wouldn't let her outside. <laughs> she would let her out the door. But Wheeler you know, lets her go off to, to see the the massacre of June Osborne. You know, he's he's okay with it, but, like, Alana very much is not and she's sprinting <laughs> to try and catch up with her when she's going in the car. But I just thought, you know, very telling that, you know, Serena knows her soft power and she was able to convince him that, yeah, I need to see this to tell my son. Also loved all of the visual references in that scene to those early visits June yeah. made to yeah, Fred's absolutely. office yeah. in season one. 
That's <laughs> yeah. That's what I really um, yeah. I like that as well. I liked when Serena turned up in that doorway, as you as you just mentioned, Fiona, and like, opened up that door, and it was very much like June visiting Fred, and he's by the fire, and he seems very welcoming, mm-hmm. and come have a seat. Um, and it was almost like I feel like the writers have like ticked off what are all the horrible yeah. things that like yeah. June had to go through, and let's make sure <laughs> that we get uh, Serena experiencing them. And so um, yeah, I did yeah. like that she experienced that. Though of course the outcome that she got was a lot better than what June ever got. June got yeah. a visit to Jezebel's or something, you know? <laughs> yeah. Great. Thanks for it. <laughs> yeah, she got to see Hannah once. She convinced him that she should uh, get a visit with Hannah, but, yeah, that's about, about the size of it. So the plan is to send Ezra to No Man's Land and have him deal with her there. So there is a lot going on in No Man's Land, all this nasty dark ops <laughs> business happening there. It sounds Doesn't... like they're capturing a lot of people, right? Because yeah. they're not going to do with her what they usually do with the people that they capture. Yeah. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> Could send her to Gilead like I do with the others, but they won't actually deal with her properly. I thought that was a really funny little joke on the writer's part, you know, for all the haters out there who have criticised the show for not killing off June. <laughs> <laughs> for all the stuff she's done to Gilead, you know, how could she possibly still be alive under this, you know, regime when you look at everything she's done? And I thought that was just a cute little poke at how she's still alive. You know, Gilead can't take care of her. We have to take care of her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like that. That's true. Yeah. There's also, um, as they're being separated, June and Luke, and going in different directions, um, we hear in the background someone, one of these vigilante types, saying he's legal, they don't want him, yes. and then dump him at the border. So... Is Luke going to be safe? He's going back to Canada, all fine and dandy. Oh, but dump can also mean like dump his body kill and dump. Yeah, so, that's true. Yeah, I was just left there going like, oh, I have no idea what the intention there is for Luke. Oh, okay. Jeez. How interesting. I just never keep thinking of Luke dying, but you're right. It could happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, another phrase is like, he's legal. They don't want him. Dump him. And then there's another line, dump him at the border. So, yeah, that's, it's not drop him off. All that could be too, but, yeah, it's not. Dumb. I'm hoping he's just getting dropped off. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. And there's a Martha sitting next to June on that bus. Did you look yeah. at all the other mm. uh, occupants of the bus there? That bus is full of runaways when we get the shot later yeah. of everyone in there. It's, it's busy at the border. It sure is. That's why old Wheel is so busy, busy, couldn't meet with Serena earlier. <laughs> and then June has this uh, inner monologue, which we don't hear her inner monologues no. much anymore. That, that, that used right. to be a real fixture. No matter how many times you thought about your own death, I don't think it happens exactly the way you expect. There's always a curveball. Some strategy you didn't fully think through. An enemy you didn't see in time. No matter what you do, the end is always a surprise. Next shot is Putnam. <laughs> so speaking of um, <laughs> yes. endings and, you know, curveballs and, and things you don't expect coming. Putnam, Warren's taking Naomi out for breakfast and uh, they are the talk. He's the talk of the country club restaurant, wherever they are. Yeah, that uh, club, it's got a very colonial vibe, doesn't doesn't it? it? (laughs) Yes. Um, But Naomi had a line, actually, which I really did enjoy. I think it's a line that, like, wives who have married assholes have probably been saying for years, which is, what What did did you do? do? (laughs) (laughs) There was a scene, though, that we have sort of, like, not talked about, but it was... um, at the time, I found it horrifying, oh, yeah. um, which was 
Nick and Lawrence and Putnam yes. all having a lovely, cosy chat and congratulations about how Putnam has managed to make a handmaid pregnant so so quickly and not just not just in terms of not just in terms of how long she's been in his service but actually just you know how long it took in that room yeah and then they toasted to it and I was just like oh my god this is awful like it was just mm-hmm. I was so horrified by it so many backhanded comments yes yeah, yeah. it was yeah. that was that was also a lot of fun like seeing Nick fail to use his poker face again. once again again, <laughs> and react with disgust at the joke about how quick mm. Putnam had been. But yeah, also, yeah. like, yeah, I agree with you, Natalie. On first watch, I was like, oh, they're having to pretend and do all this poor Nick, you know, but this is gross, all that. On second watch, I was like, ooh, Lawrence says some things that once you know what's going to happen, you're like, oh, you've already planned this guy is going down. He, uh, Lawrence says... Um, and to think that uh, such a quick and... Impulsive act could have such huge political implications. And at the moment, I was like, what political implications? Well, we know now what happens. Warren ends up dead. And then he also says... It's a good example for young Commander Blaine. Except when you've been outplayed. And I was like, oh, okay. On second watch, I was like, that's a message to Warren. Now I get what's happening. And Nick says, ooh, I'm learning so much. (laughs) Something like that. From both of you. Yeah. Yeah. And Putnam... You know, his point being he didn't even think about her getting pregnant from the act. It was like that was a bonus when he says didn't do any of this with a thought to how a baby could impact my stature. That was more of a Mm. blessing. So, yeah, but this whole scene, yeah, the locker room talk really, like as that's been uh, euphemistically used by you-know-who, but um, Putnam is very nudge-nudge, wink-wink. He's giving um, Lawrence shit for not having a wife and not, you know, enjoying the spoils of his position. Why would you seek it in the first place if you can't enjoy it? Yeah, very Trumpy mm-hmm. in this whole scene. But uh, mm-hmm. when there's the shot at the end of it where Warren's in the mirror and walks away and then Nick takes his exact position, like in that framing, um, and then you see Nick look down at him so it's a little Ooh. bit of a tell. Didn't catch that. But, yeah, good, good point to come back to that scene, but, yeah. And... What a coincidence. They show up at the breakfast because it's all coming down for Warren. That moment was such a shock moment for me. I feel like it's one of the biggest shocks so far this season that I've where I've been like, holy crap, what's going on? Like completely losing it. Um, and that was really fun because it was a good, oh, my God, moment. Right. Like who wants Warren around? Screw him. <laughs> <laughs> Um, they are fun though. The Putnam's in the worst possible they way are, as in you a know, sense, it yes, being handmaids. But uh, yeah, just they're a good double those two. But they, they just did it on the street, like yeah, it was a bit shocking. Yeah, in the context of Gilead, to just execute a commander in that way. Didn't anyone else think? And and like shocking for me to see Nick do it. Yeah, and Nick did yes. it. Not like a guard or someone. Nick did it. Interesting. Yeah. Shocking for you and Rose as well. Was this? Lawrence and and Nick moving up to the top of the pyramid and like sort of sending a message to everyone watching over breakfast at the country club. Like, yeah, Yeah. it was pretty, it was pretty full on method of, yeah, getting rid of him. I I wasn't that shocked about that it was in front of everyone because it like they, you know, it was a meeting of the high criminal court. So like they had legal recourse Mm. to do it in that violent world of Gilead. And also, you know, he lost his arm last time he was fooling around with Janine. I mean raping, they would say fooling around. But, you know, the crime is rape of unassigned property as well. So it's, you know, it's Gileadian Mm. way of dispensing with someone who breaks their rules. Yeah, that's where Lawrence says, The eyes of the Lord are everywhere. Keep watch on the wicked 
and the good. And then we find out that Rose is pregnant. Well, that was my other yes. oh my god moment. <laughs> so many oh my god moments. Yes, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> this is why Lydia's warm milk line after those two moments was like, "What the fuck is happening now? This is crazy." <laughs> Glide down. Yeah. When they were when they were having that chat on the couch together, Rose and Nick, I just had another like I had a famous phrase pop into my mind, which is. There are three people in that marriage. <laughs> and there was a nice gap between them on the couch. And I thought, I know where she goes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and she says, I'm worried about the kind of person this makes you. And he mutters it, like he repeats that. So mm. it's like, I mean, June would be fine mm. with it. And she would have patched him right afterwards, even with all the blood in his face. Like, those two would be fine. <laughs> yeah. Because we never got the Nick backstory. I, I feel like he said that because he's always been that person. He was that person yeah. before Gilead, you know, yeah. like it's just an extenuation of it. And so him shooting Warren and murdering him like that in front of everybody, I guess is it similar to the way that Warren's power move is getting Esther pregnant? Is this now Nick's power move? He's now got his wife pregnant and he's now murdered somebody. Like he's yeah. on the way up, right? Like, yeah. like Give that man a bad. Yes. <laughs> yeah. There's also children, like using children's best interests to justify actions in this episode, isn't there? Like yeah. there's Nick saying that he's killed Putnam to make the world a better place for their child and there's Serena telling Wheeler that she wants to go and see June you know, so that she can tell her son that she, you know, watched his father's killer get mm. murdered or there's Serena being told by Alanis that having a mother and a father is in the best interest of the child, regardless of your own feelings. And then I think it all comes full circle at the end when June gives her prayer about their children's future. Yep. It's lots of references to children. Yeah, the children are our future. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it come, does come full circle nicely in, in June's prayer. I would like to think that it's true that like when Nick says I did it for the future safety of our child, I would like to I would like to think that like if everyone knew what Warren had done and he got murdered for that, that that might actually have positive repercussions in the safety of handmaids in the commander's houses. Mm. It did come across as a little inauthentic when he said that though, like took him a while to think about it. It was very carefully phrased. It felt like he was saying what he thought she wanted to hear. So that I was a weird it. interaction. I totally <laughs> bought I don't the know that you two are the most that. impartial to <laughs> talk about Nick Blaine's He was very sincere. <laughs> I thought it was sweet. I was like, oh, there's a whole, it's not only just like Warren's terrible and this is a power move and all the rest. There was like a, a deeper layer to why he wanted him gone. That's what I took from that. Yeah. Speaking of the, you're thinking there with the baby and the murder and his potential rise and rise, it's been a while since we've seen Mackenzie because <laughs> they were on a bit of a collision course mm. last oh, time yeah. they met. But uh, in that, now with us knowing that Rose is expecting and her connection to Mackenzie, I don't know, that feels to me like he might rear his head again coming up. Mm-hmm. So then uh, we're back in Gilead. Putnam is being uh, dragged up that wall with the bag on his head, but it's clearly him. Lydia is giving her speech. In Gilead, there are consequences for disobeying God, no matter who you are. Slow pan, there's Janine taking it all in very slowly, staying around to the end while everyone leaves as well. Her classic line, I I wish I could have watched. watched. Lydia clocks that, doesn't she? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, I just feel like that whole scene was 
well, the whole thing was uh, for Janine, just to show Janine that she she's capable of change. Because, like, once upon mm. a time, Janine would have been punished for saying something like yeah. that, I think. And this time around, I think what Lydia gets from that instead is that she's got a soldier in Janine, someone who is because, like, she's kind of the second woman in the episode who has said that she wants to watch someone being murdered because yeah. um, mm. Serena said that about June. And so you're now seeing that, like, sweet Janine actually would have been quite happy to be there and see that, I think, I think is um, telling Lydia that she has a supporter. And um, so it is curious seeing where Lydia is taking this newfound power. But then she did hear classic Lydia. I love that milk line. It was so good. It was just <laughs> like Lydia, Lydia of old. Time for milk. Ugh, who drinks <laughs> milk as an adult? I mean, warm milk on top of that. Stop it. <laughs> it's been a big day. I don't know. It sounded How is that a treat? Kind of comforting. Yeah. It's nice. <laughs> Torture. <laughs> okay, let's get on to the next bit. Are you kidding me? Uh who comes on the bus? But it's Ezra and he's here to fetch one of the runaways. Mr. Wheeler approved it. So that's the first time June clocks Wheeler's name. But that whole way it was set up as a western when the bus bus goes past mm-hmm. and <laughs> she's behind you. Speaking yeah. of speaking of names, actually, that has just reminded me of. Um, I was actually wondering whether June has put Nick and Lawrence in trouble. Actually, yes, yes. meant to bring that up. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yes, yeah, because when she was trying to bargain her way out of that cage and said, and when she thought she was going to die, and she's and she said, "Speak to um, Commander Lawrence," or mm, did, yeah. was it Commander Blaine as well? I'm not quite yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. And I thought. And we didn't know who they were then, but now we know that they're Wheeler's guys. So now Wheeler knows who she's relying on. So I thought, ooh, this is potentially going to get tricky for them. Yeah. I reckon he knows. But, yes, it's, uh, yeah, I thought that too. Like, mm, do you really want to be throwing around names like that, especially last week when you said names are dangerous? <laughs> <laughs> I do love as she turns around to see Serena. She says, are you fucking serious? Are you, are you fucking, fucking serious? serious? <laughs> And don't we all feel that too? Oh, my goodness. These two cannot leave each other alone. Yeah, yeah. That whole interaction where she's, you know, as serious as, serious as you were, you were when, when you told, you told me you wanted to die inside me. Do you remember that? Do you remember that? It's the best day of my fucking life. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's when she decides to bring up Fred because she's trying to convince Ezra to give her the gun. And again... She manages to persuade him to hand over the gun. It's like, Ezra, come on. Um, he also doesn't stand back far enough. He needs to get right behind her. <laughs> but, but anyway, he learns that lesson, doesn't he? But um, <laughs> the prayer that June uses, who is also very persuasive. So, yeah, like you do see they are, like you said, Heidi, they're both two sides of the same coin, you know, each trapped and then manage to, like I said, do their Thelma and Louise moment at the end there when they take mm. off in that speeding car. And Ezra's not dead. I think he was wearing like a bulletproof mm. yep. something, something happened in there because there wasn't much blood and we see like a white shirt underneath his shirt. Yep. Um, so he's going to be okay to report back what Serena did. And Serena... I thought they'd drive over him. Oh, <laughs> no, no, they drive around like a, him. No, 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 I know they did, oh, but right. I was just sort of like... You thought they were going <laughs> to... <laughs> no, not quite. Um, but this leaves Serena in a very interesting place because she has now blown all her links to Gilead, right? Like she is completely this free agent dangling in the wind, what is she going to do? My first thought was, like, drive straight back to Tuello's place and claim asylum, but I don't think she's going to do that. <laughs> Something tells I, I, well, me. Well, I think she's going to go give birth now with June 
<laughs> yeah. what I said earlier. I think that's what's coming up. I've got to say, I'm kind of secretly happy that they're back together again. Yeah, because I mean, they're yeah. so they're they're fun in a sense to watch with each other, right? Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. know if fun's the right word, but <laughs> I don't think they they're making up anytime soon. But I still hold out hope that one day they'll be the power duo of this show, <laughs> working together like they were back in season two in Fred's office. Absolutely. They're capable of it. Um, yeah, I think for the very immediate future, they're aligned in in their mission to get the hell yeah. out of there. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just take that as a win, I guess. But yeah, here's where Elizabeth Moss did say that there might be a hint at some redemption on Serena and I guess not killing her is uh, is a biggie. But I guess that's what she was talking about. Also, Natalie, you said, um, I think in our first episode, you yes. thought um, June would be pulling the gun to save Serena. Who would have thought it would have been completely the opposite? Serena pulling the gun to save June. What a twist. I know. What a twist. These writers. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) So good. So good. Uh, But, yeah, like Serena on a redemption arc, it's kind of weird to think about whether she's capable of it or not. Because, like, June, the whole time that Serena had a gun on her, I fully believe that June thought that Serena was going to kill her. Like, you know, June thought that Serena was capable of that. That was my read Mm. on that, which tells you about their relationship. So Serena, honestly, like... What now? Like, is she? Because mm. it's funny, right? Because last season, um, Haiti, you were talking about how June and Serena were very much mirroring each other. And funnily enough, this season, for me, it's actually been Serena and Lawrence, because Serena is on a similar path that Lawrence was on that he now regrets in that he supported Gilead probably for all the wrong reasons, but because he got ego and power out of it and he can't leave, you know, he now feels that he is stuck there. Serena has been given a second chance and he's seeing her make all the same mistakes that he made in the first place. And she's got this chance to like, just to have this whole separate non-Gilead life and she's not taking it. Instead, she is doing, making all the same mistakes that he made first time round. So it looks really misogynistic and sexist when he is like, just focus on your baby. And when he's saying no to her invitations and stuff like that, like it seems like he's trying to put a woman back in her place. But for me, it's actually, it's like he probably wants her to like get away from this, you know, like you actually can get out. And so now, so now she can again. And I was like, She's going to get tested again. Is she is she finally giving up Gilead for good? Can she actually do that? And I I still don't know. What do you guys think? I think officially she's going to perhaps have to give up Gilead because of her actions, but like I think she still believes in a lot of the original aim of Gilead. Ah, oh, okay. All right. Which is like the being able to repopulate basically. Yeah, through a Christian pure way, although yeah, she's kind of outside that now. Mm. She spent a lot of this season getting a taste of the other side, Gilead, being put in this role of, you know, a handmaid, having no control, having everything taken away from her. So I think she's going to be able to connect with June on a level that she hasn't before. And in June's prayer, there's that line where she appeals to God or maybe it's Serena, you know, to give our children a happy life. And that's how they connected back when Serena got her finger chopped off, you know, over letting girls learn to read in Gilead. So I think that's going to kind of bring them back together again. And my hope is that, yeah, she'll have that extra level of empathy and understanding for June's position and maybe be ready to finally reject elements of Gilead that she's not been able to before. 
I so wonder because Sana, you said something a couple of episodes ago, which was June's going to June, and so in my mind, I'm like Serena's going to Serena. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, I'm like, yeah. So what does that look like? What is that? Yeah, I don't see Serena wholesale changing and like you know having the same redemptive arc that sort of Aunt Lydia is being set up for. I, I don't see that for Serena. She's too glued to her beliefs in many ways. She just wants them to morph and, and the circumstances in which she can operate to be different. Like, you know, the cake, the having her cake and eating it too. Like, she definitely doesn't want liberation for all, I don't think. <laughs> yeah. No, she's totally, it's for thee, but not for me. Yeah. Kind of that whole hypocritical um, way. But I thought that the getting back to what you said, Haiti, with the speech and, you know, I want our daughters to, to live a life of peace, I thought that was a direct nod to when she convinced Serena to hand over Nicole to get her out in the first place. I thought that was just a, mm. like, remember that? We worked together then. Yeah. Full of truth in the moment and also the hope that she alluded to with Luke that, you know, we will see each other again. The goodbye that wasn't good a goodbye. Mm. Or was it? Who knows? We don't know yet. Well, in that case, I will take that as as good advice and I am not giving up hope on Luke. I don't think his body is being dumped. I think he is being dumped and he's probably going to find himself back at home again with Moira and Nicole <laughs> and feeling useless again. Like I just failed my wife and my daughter again. So, um Anyway, so I'm not giving up hope yet. I don't know. In in like two hours, he might have uh, June and a and a in labour Serena knocking at his door, <laughs> looking for a birthing room. Get that bathtub ready. <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't think he's dead either. But um, I do think that uh, well, Moira's going to be pacing the floors to work out where the hell they've been, and mm. I think he'll have. Not that he was lacking in empathy at all, but like he'll have a deeper understanding of what June June went through when she shows up in whatever state that if she shows up, I think she will. <laughs> I'm still waiting for June to catch up with Hannah. So I don't know. But now that Serena's about to have a baby, I can't see that's going to happen in the next episode. So I don't know. I still hope it happens, but that means June stays in Gilead. So I don't know. I'm so confused, guys. I'm so confused. Well, we have been alluding to the trailer a lot and a lot of those scenes were in this episode, weren't they? Like the um, mm, May They yeah. Do Better Than We Did. I think you might have said, Nat, that you thought that was, was she speaking to Hannah at that point? Or Yeah. yeah with, like the blood splatter obviously was in this episode. Um, yeah, the those moments with June, they, they figure very much in the in the trailer. So I, I haven't watched it again recently. I can't remember what else we've got to get through. Well, because we got a glimpse of Hannah in episode two and then we saw that poor young man in the previous episode who said that he doesn't remember his former life, mm-hmm. which again was something that June and Luke took on board, which makes me think that we will see mm-hmm. Hannah. I just keep hoping. I'm always me, always me, always hoping it's going to be the next episode, <laughs> but it's probably, <laughs> probably going to be the last one, us. isn't it? <laughs> And Hannah stuff always rips my heart out. So honestly, I shouldn't actually be wanting to see it. It's just going to destroy me. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's only one way to find out. And uh, so that's it for episode six. We're off to have words with the University of Toronto about their hiring practices. <laughs> but thank you for listening. We are eagerly awaiting episode seven. Can you believe it? Uh, That one premieres at SBS On Demand on Wednesdays and will screen on SBS on Thursday. I'd like to thank my co-hosts, Sana Kadar, Natalie Hambly and Hayley Island. And thank you for listening. We are absolutely loving your opinions and your takes on this season of The Handmaid's Tale. And uh, we're checking that Twitter feed when you use the hashtag EyesOnGilead for your thoughts. What are some good tweets this week, guys? What have you noticed? You know, someone actually predicted that um, it was going to be Putnam that was murdered. That was from the blood spatter that we saw in the trailer. Um, 
And so, wow, kudos, kudos to you, whoever you are. You've done way better than any of us. <laughs> um, yeah, you called that one. There was a good one um, from at Rick Stack, and it was, what do you make of the character being called Alanis in this Serena being held captive situation? And they said, yep. I think it's a warning to Serena that this is still her Gilead, quote, you ought to know, uh, taking her, quote, jagged little pill and how bloody, <laughs> quote, ironic. Nice one. I love it. <laughs> so Very good. good. A couple of weeks ago, I was wondering who had done the great cover of Fleetwood Mac's The Chain and a very kind listener pointed out on Twitter that it was Kerala Dust that did that cover. So thank you, at Karen Bale. I've added it to my Spotify. Good one. Thank you. So, yeah, keep the tweets coming. Um, we, we are loving the way you're watching this show with us. So reach out on Twitter, use the hashtag EyesOnGilead, and you can find me at anything but Fifi. Haiti, where can we find you when we have some song picks? At Haiti Island. And Sana? At Sana underscore Kadar. And Natalie, where can we find you? At Natalie Hambly. So keep those tweets coming. And while we have you, uh, don't forget to give us a rating and a review on your podcast app because it helps people to find the show. So thank you very much for the lovely things you've said. And so we like to make some recommendations of things to watch as you await these next episodes of Handmaid since they are weekly drops. And so what can you watch at SPS On Demand? Well, my suggestion this week includes one of us. Uh, there's an episode of Insight which is absolutely worth your time and it's wonderful and it features one Sana Kadar in it. Oh, uh, you're so sweet to recommend that. Well, it's pretty fantastic. Would you like to speak to it or do you want to listen to me try and fumble sure. your life story? <laughs> no, I can. Right. <laughs> so the episode was about outliving your cancer prognosis and my now husband had cancer 10 years ago when we were 22. I was 22. He was 28. Um, so we were quite young and he's still around and he's now become a doctor after dealing with cancer. So we were on the show talking about that and how crazy that time in our life was. So thank you for making that your little highlight and um, recommendation. That's very sweet. I will also add to that, by the way, and say um, your husband also has written a book, which is wonderful, ah. called The Patient Doctor. <laughs> I'm so glad you guys are name dropping all of this because I wouldn't do it. <laughs> It'd but be weird if, if you, you want did, to. so yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's actually a lot of sauna in it, so I think that Eyes on Gilead listeners would be intrigued. And it's a really, really sweet moment where he talks about how he met and fell in love with you uh, for the first time. Yeah. And that was so nice. If you want to know more about me than you ever cared to know, yeah, you can read The Patient <laughs> Doctor. <laughs> and so the book is The Patient Doctor, and his name is Dr. Ben Bravery. Which, by the way, awesome name. It's a great, great name. <laughs> and the episode of Insight is Outliving Your Prognosis, and that is streaming at SPS On Demand now. Eyes on Gilead is produced by me, Fiona Williams, and edited and mixed by Jeremy Wilmot. Until next time, don't let the bastards grind you down. You don't own me, I'm not your Milk. <laughs>